Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Money and me on your money, only on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Money and Me. I'm Michelle Martin. Today we're going to level up your understanding of the metaverse. Just yesterday, Meta, formerly Facebook, released what's been described as a $1,500 cutting edge headset looking for an audience targeted at the office crowd, not the mass market. And uh, Meta says it believes that this headset is going to be used widely by people using the metaverse for meetings. Everyone's interested in the future of the metaverse, but how is it shaping up today? My guest is founder of a studio that's been building metaverse experiences since 2009. And he says the metaverse isn't a place and that at a high level, it's a giant shift from looking at 2D content on flat screens to engaging with 3D content in a spatial environment. So we're thrilled to speak with the man behind a company. They're based in LA, but we understand they have some Singapore roots. It's a company that's leading the way into the metaverse. Jason Yim is CEO of Trigger XR. Good morning, Jason. Morning, Michelle. Thank you so much for having me. Great to speak Excited with you. To be on. Share with us a Singapore connection. Yeah, so I was actually born in Singapore, and then uh, but early on, after a year, I moved to Hong Kong. But both my parents, they worked in Singapore for some of their time too. They eventually actually retired back in KL for a few years. So every single time we would come and visit our cousins there. So I'm supposed to shout out my cousins Wayne and Chingling and Lydia and. <laughs> Of course, my aunts and uncles as well. So. <laughs> I'm glad you got that in. Jason, Trigger XR, your company, creates artificial reality, mixed reality, virtual realities, uh, AR, MR, VR. And these experiences connect people to brands and sports and entertainment and e-commerce. Your project list is jaw-dropping. I mean, from the Super Bowl halftime show to blockbuster film marketing, uh, the Avengers 5G snap experiences. You work with brands like Disney and, and Morgan Stanley, TikTok, Time, Sony Pictures. Now, before we get your thoughts on the metaverse, please help our listeners understand what XR in your company name refers to and who some of your biggest clients are. Yeah, so XR we, is basically a kind of catch-all term, extended reality or mixed reality. So we see it as a, a full spectrum from augmented reality, which is digital content in your real world, to virtual reality where you're fully immersed. But there's many, many kind of gray gray zones and steps in between. So we could do VR projects that have smell machines, wind machines, artificial turf that you walk through. We are doing mixed reality projects for car companies where you're walking around a virtual environment, but there's a live person, an actor walking up to you that can hand you a, you know, hand you a sandwich, hand you something that they're pulling out of the virtual car that's physical. So it's definitely getting to be a very interesting uh, space to play. Absolutely amazing. I mean, just to hear you describe some of these projects. In fact, your latest Jurassic World Dino Tracker app, I had to check out. That was launched in August of this year, right? And there's a headline that says it puts raptors in your yard with Pokemon Go technology. That's a CNET headline. I checked it out and it's, it really looks like there's a dinosaur in your backyard standing next to the barbecue. Uh, what is required these days to drive a believable experience of the digital world? Yeah, so I think first there's, there's two ways to look at this kind of metaverse world. One is called the real world metaverse, which is AR in the real world around you. And then the second half of it is the immersive metaverse, which is what 
your viewers might be less uh, familiar with things like Roblox or Fortnite or VR experiences we call immersive. So we see that as two sides of the same coin that are that you need both experiences to be and connected experiences to really complete the full metaverse promise. But on the on the AR side, customers can or, or consumers can engage with AR through uh, social AR, so that's through like Snap lenses, Facebook, Instagram, even TikTok has lenses now, which which are filters that put AR content over your your, your face. Uh, there's Web AR, so you don't even need an app then; it's just through the browser. You can scan a QR code at a store, or you can uh, follow a link off of a, a social feed, and that launches a AR experiences just through the, your uh, phone browser. And then fully embedded app-based AR, so that's something that we did for um, Jurassic as an example. We only recommend using an app when it's something as big an IP as Jurassic. We did the same thing for, let's say, Spider-Man or Star Wars was all app experiences because the, the fans have such affinity that they're willing to go through the friction of downloading an app. Mm-hmm. Or you would use an app if you, uh, let's say, a big company that already has an app, maybe it doesn't have AR now, you can actually add AR features through an AR module into your app. So. If you already have a user base, app is also another way to go. So you said in an article that will be published soon for an industry publication, and thank you to FunWorld for giving me uh, access to that article before it's published. You've said the metaverse is much more than VR goggles, and you've just mentioned these two sides to the metaverse. Um, You've also said in that article that many companies are laying a stake in the ground for an AR or a VR-dominated metaverse, but that you think AR is far more significant now, what do you mean by that? Yeah, I think it's just pure numbers, right? Like you want to reach your customers and you want to read your, reach your audience. There are over 6 billion, I think, smartphones out there that can run AR. So covers 85% of the world's population versus on the VR side, which is great. We love the immersive world. We, we, we love it for enterprise. But in terms of pure marketing, maybe there are 10 million plus headsets out there in, in the whole world, you know, so... Mm. Even if you're generous, tens of millions of headsets. So do you want, as a brand, do you want to reach tens of millions of people or do you want to reach billions of people with the same type of activation? So that's mm-hmm. the choice there. So interesting that we, we're talking about the metaverse. Uh, it was first used back in 1992 in a science fiction novel by Neil Stephenson, uh, that novel called Snow Crash. Now, fast forward, and we know Facebook's taken on the identity of Meta. I think before we, we deep dive, I think we need your definition of the metaverse, Jason. So, yeah, we, we see the metaverse again as a basically it is a it provides a digital uh, layer over every your physical experience as well as a the virtual destination. So we see two sides of the same coin. We see we see both the real world metaverse, which is AR around you in the real world, and then fully immersive metaverse, which is either these virtual worlds or VR experiences where you you know put on a headset and you're completely immersed. The whole thing holistically, we would consider the metaverse. Okay, so this layer that's increasingly going to we're going to see a reduced friction between, I suppose, us and you know virtual worlds. I started by talking about Meta's headset. Speaking of friction, what gear do you think is increasingly needed or not needed for access to the metaverse? Yeah, so I think uh, obviously we have our the smartphones in our pocket, so that will give you a lot of access, I think, again, to AR. The great part about that is it's contextual, 
It's small, it's easy to load, and maybe small bite-sized experiences, but has a lots of different utility. Mm -hmm. And then when you have time, you can then go and dive into something like a Fortnite or a Roblox where they have average, you know, play times of two and a half hours a day or something like that, where a person can really immerse themselves, right? In that world, in the headset world, there's the VR headsets, which are fully immersive. Then the new Quest Pro, for instance, is starts to have mixed reality features, which means it has cameras, color cameras that you can see your room, which means you can put AR content, digital content in your room. So instead of you being completely in the virtual world, you can see a virtual character sit on your couch, for instance. Very Pokemon then, Go. Yeah. Yes. And then the next level up from that mm-hmm. uh, in the near future would be completely uh, see-through AR uh, glasses. So you don't need to, you're not seeing the world through a camera anymore. It's just obviously your, your natural vision. And then you, you see AR content perfectly placed uh, in your real world around you. But that's, there's the beginnings of it now that there's some limitations, but in a few years, Qualcomm is a big partner of ours. That's going to become a very ubiquitous reality. So basically, your headsets are sort of image positioning systems, right? But behind that, we've got to think of the computing power. And there are some that think it's primarily headsets, hands-free. I think you've, you've said this in an article somewhere. Headsets, head-worn, hands-free is something that we're going to see increasingly. Is that right? I think that that is ultimately going to be the destination, you know. Uh, I think we, but it's slow kind of progression, and I think a lot of the content and, and a, lot, a lot of the behavior, you'll get used to it on your phone, you know. You'll start using your phone for those things in AR, and then at a certain point, the, the glasses will be available, and it's like, oh, it's easier now on my glasses than I did on my phone, but I'm still used to getting all that same type of content, you know, still doing the transactions that way, but it just became a little bit easier because I can uh, do it all through my glasses. Gosh, we're all aiming for for that, right? Ease, less friction uh, in terms of entry into this world. You said connectivity players, hardware players, software players, services, content. There could be many beneficiaries from the development of the metaverse. This is in your Forbes article. From what you're seeing, Jason, where is the major investment going towards from your practitioner viewpoint? Yeah, I mean, that, that's why I think uh, whenever I hear people talk about the metaverse as a single destination, a single winner sort of play, like, I, I just don't think it's going to be like that at all. It's really, if you think about what happened with, with smartphones, you know, yes, Apple was a, was a big winner from, from that, but Samsung also won, you know, LG also won, all these other OEMs won. But then also the telcos, you know, that are now pushing 5G bandwidth and, and selling those kind of services and you know, more data like that, they are all winners as well. So it's a, it's a big ecosystem of many, many players. So um, we see investment, of course, from like you, the list you said before, from hardware to software to content to, it's such a new world that there are so many places that uh, I feel that there's greenfield opportunity uh, for people to get in. How is the metaverse evolving, Jason? And how are major brands taking advantage of what this space allows for, in your opinion? Yeah, it's very interesting. I think, uh, you know, I remember a few years back where when we were pitching, we had to explain what AR was, you know, and people were kind of buying, trying things, onesies and twosies, you know, they would maybe try it on one movie or a little thing here and there. But now on the marketing side, everything is moving towards scale, you know, so we are, we are seeing uh, AR as part of the typical digital marketing budget for many movies, many products. 
Um, we're seeing brands kind of um, coming to us and buying, you know, one year's worth of activation. You know, instead of one snap lens uh, or one web AR experience, they're buying 40 over two years. We're doing kind of full advisories for even some of our retail uh, clients where it's not only using the metaverse for marketing, but actually trying to figure out services and products in the metaverse that can target uh, specific uh, customers that they have. So it's it's going through a big transformation now. And I think there's a there's a shift too from seeing some technologies out there like or, or platforms out there like um, Roblox that were before were primarily for gaming. Mm-hmm. But now brands can look at that and see 55 million daily active users. That's a significant number, right? How can brands get into that mm. uh, and take advantage of that and, and create content in that world? So uh, we're doing kind of a lot of work that way as well, where we're trying to bring brands into these they're called walled gardens or, or virtual worlds that have enough of a user base to make a marketing impact. Um, we try to, yeah, we tend to shy away from things that are, again, we try to shed as much friction as possible. So yeah. if things are too, you know, like a Decentraland or things that uh, are need crypto wallet or something like that, we just don't think that's a broad enough appeal, broad, you know, big enough access audience to really spend too many marketing dollars. So on. it looks like we've brand- got to focus on the big location. Sounds like brands are open to the idea of interconnectivity. Um, that this idea of hiving off your audience and protecting your audience maybe is a thing of the past. Are brands more open to giving access to another brand, their tribe, so to speak? Not yet, I don't think. I mean, we're, there, there may be some, uh, I feel like there, there's that opportunity in travel, you know, to, to pull different uh, kind of disparate brands together. Right now, when you see people moving into something like a Roblox, it's typically one one brand building an experience and then another brand building another experience. But we often hear when we talk about the metaverse, people being able to put on an avatar or buy a T-shirt and then bring it with them wherever they are in this virtual space, right? So in that sense, you know, are we talking about yes, portability? That, there is that kind of portability, yes. But there's not a... Um, that's kind of just built into the avatar system in Roblox. Whatever you're wearing, you know, you can... Uh, let's say, take from place to place to place. Mm-hmm. They, they're not interconnected in the sense that, like, I can't walk through one room and then, bloop, I'm, I'm you know, from Nike world into Adidas world, you know, or they, they are... Walled the, off, so to speak. Yeah, they're walled off. Okay, yeah. okay, got it. You, you could maybe bring a jacket from one place to the other, <laughs> but the games don't carry across, so the logic doesn't carry across. Okay, know? okay, for now. For now, you know, I'm fascinated with uh, sort of the building blocks of the metaverse. And when I think about it, if the metaverse is digital space, that is always on, always interconnected, it seems that it will need an enormous amount of images. And that got me thinking about AI art or AI image generators. It's quite the buzzword in the realm of venture capital. And a lot of money we're seeing flowing into this world of text-to-image AI, uh, OpenAI, Dolly, for example. Now, what do you think of the link between um, AI and digital worlds. Do you think that this is key to the development of the metaverse, AI-generated art? I think 100%. I mean, even for us as an agency, we started using Dolly in mid-journey. Actually, a week and a half ago, we won one of our first bids completely using uh, Dolly in mid-journey creative. Not creative, but the art itself. Wow. so it was, and that it still feels almost like version 1.0, 
So if you can imagine what Dali and Midjourney are going to do in three years, I think it's going to be undeniable that it will be become part of the creative uh, process uh, and creation process. So, you know, obviously you can't, well, hopefully you can't take away the human element and you'll still <laughs> need, you know, creatives or we're all out of a job that, that are steering the, the, the creation process and, you know, putting some parameters around it. But um, I think, like you said, the big difference with, these walled gardens or, or these virtual worlds versus a ad campaign. An ad campaign, you know, you spend hundreds of hours getting someone to watch a five minute ad, right? Mm-hmm. That's five minutes of time. What if you need to engage someone for two years every single day for two and a half hours a, a day? So, yes, there needs to be some kind of content solve. And, and we think AI will be a big part of that. But the other thing that AI uh, ties into is, is also the believability of everything. So, you know, in the future, you may not be, you may not have to write the script for conversation for, for every single character. It might just have a natural language kind of a, a, a conversation database that can be, it can freely come up with a conversation as you're, yeah, as you're in, interacting with a character. Um, so that's another way that AI can uh, uh, play a role. Wow. So if you think of the narratives that are going to power this digital space and AI may be key to developing this conversational narrative, independent of someone right now, you're speaking these graphics, these synthetic graphics into existence, right? It's text to image right now. Yes. Yes. But the potential is this like constant iteration of these images independently. Or constant, a constant evolution of, let's say, a relationship between your character and a character that you meet in the game. Right. And it's not a written thing. It's just something that that the AI is learning over time. Or it could be applied to music. Let's say you have a composer that's writing the main kind of themes and the stems, but then the AI is generating the the actual soundtrack on the fly based off of how a player is doing, you know, how much inventory they have, how they did yesterday, how many friends they have in the game. Like all that can be kind of uh, factored in as well. So as someone who was trained in graphic design, what do you think of AI-generated art and, you know, this meeting of artificial intelligence and, and the future of expanding creativity through AI? So I think, luckily from graphic design point of view, I think we were there to be problem solvers. <laughs> you know, you're using different, you're using photography, you're using type, you're using other things to, to solve a communication problem. So I do see AI uh, as a tool, you know, that, that's great to add into it. If I was a pure concept artist right now, I would actually be a little bit worried. I would say if you are a concept artist right now and you're seeing what Dolly and, and Midjourney can do, like try to figure out a way where it is using it more as an accelerator for you, you know? Like use turn it back around. Like as a concept artist, if I could if I could take what Dolly if that accelerated my work by, you know, ninety percent and then I only do the final ten percent, but I make that ten percent look ten times better than everyone else can. That would be my differentiator versus like fighting against this tide because I don't think you can put it back in the box. Mm-hmm. You know? The genie is out there. You just want a contract uh, using Dali. Can you tell us what that involved? It was more that uh, we already had had the, the concepts in our head and our normally we use either our illustrators to draw everything out. We so we we you know in line drawing show how this AR is going to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, all we have are our our are just designers using Photoshop and other tools to actually make comps uh, of how this this stuff will look. But in this case, our, our, our studio was quite busy. Our illustrator was in Australia on a vacation. 
So we just, you know, we have been using Dolly and, and Midjourney for small things, like one, you know, a presentation cover, for instance. Uh, but in this case, uh, one of our uh, innovation team um, took the lead and just put in, you know, X number of hours and created all of this presentation material that I think if we had given it to a concept artist, it would probably have taken three weeks. Um, and it took, you know, less than a day. So, wow. uh, and the thing that was amazing for us about it was, and the really spooky thing is that the aesthetics of what was created was spot on. So the lighting, camera angles, everything like that were really impressive. So it, it yeah. Incredible. We, we thought AI generated art would just come back and look like, you know, a little strange. AI yeah. sticking stuff together. But <laughs> the fact that it has an aesthetic kind of approach uh, is the most impressive thing. So fascinating. All right, Jason, one final question for you. It seems that connectivity and bandwidth is going to be key to whether or not future of immersive experiences. And I wonder what sort of technology are you seeing that is enabling the evolution of the metaverse? What are you interested in? For me, of course, when you're talking about the bandwidth side, we work with a lot of telcos. We're part of the XR Content Telco Alliance, which is seven telcos from around the world. We're their AR content partner. So we definitely see from a telco perspective, you know, of course, video is a is a leading uh, use case for 5G. And then number two is, is going to be AR. So and the fact uh, that 5G can bring this kind of persistent layer of connectivity, that's a bit of a game changer, too. Uh, so not only can it power things like uh, AR content, you know, within stadiums or as you're going from location to location, but it's also powering all the other things in the ecosystem that are important, like uh, self-driving cars need 5G and, and things like that to, to work. So that connectivity is super important. The other piece of technology that we're most, most excited about is probably the uh, glasses that I was telling you about. Mm. Uh, we call them HMDs, head-mounted devices. So we work with Qualcomm as a, as a partner. They are providing the chipsets for the OEMs to create these future glasses. And uh, we're working on several projects for them, kind of creating or testing out use cases, working with brand partners, showcasing what this future world can be. And then hopefully the OEMs kind of pick up on, on what we're building and they take it to a fully commercial scale. All right. Well, we're so thrilled to have spoken with you today. Thank you so much for this glimpse into the future of the metaverse. He's founder and CEO of Trigger XR. They're a mixed reality agency. I'm Michelle Martin. Thanks so much for joining me here on Money and Me. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.